Welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with your hosts, Buddy Satello Esquire, Evan Ginsberg, and Mike Leno. So, no other guests tonight, but, you know, it seems like a full house after having either Mike or Evan missing for the last few weeks. It's nice to have uh, all three of us here for the whole show. So, that's, that's a plus. So, how are you guys doing? I was just down at... Um legendary woe hop restaurant in chinatown with our uh, friend jim phillips from pro wrestling stories mm. and uh naya kennedy noted lady wrestler and uh, bobby c from team splendid and bobby c's lovely girlfriend and um yeah it was a uh, it was nice going out with some friends after uh two years of house arrest with covid <laughs> and they're saying we're going to have a surge in mandates in L.A. and Orange County, California. But, Ev, you had sent us uh, an email about a concert, I think, like towards Fresno or mid-California. But listen to this. It's that and even more. May 20th at the L.A. County Fair. Listen to this lineup. So it's a five-hour concert. Brothers Johnson, Rose Royce, Ohio Players, The Emotion Spinners, Stylistics, Manhattans, with MC, and he's going to do a set, Michael Winslow, the sound effects genius. that anywhere near you guys? That one was near me. That's about an hour away. So if stuff is safe, how could you miss that? I mean, don't I want to miss that. Ohio players. I don't know how many. Yeah, still- I was going to say that a lot of these members of the, 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 the bands have died recently. So, you know. Well, Ev would know, in the Brothers Johnson and Ohio players, Ev, are most of the original guys still around? Or brothers they- Johnson, um, one of the brothers is dead. The other is the original guy. Um, Ohio players, uh, the lead, the lead, Sugarfoot, is dead. But a lot of the other guys, you know, are original guys. I mean, these are still virtuoso musicians. You're going to hear great music. Um, it's like saying... It's like saying the spinners aren't real because a bunch of them are dead, but they started in the 50s. So, you know, they have one original member and the other guys are replacements, but they're still going to sound great. So, you know, what can you do? These bands have been around since the 50s and, you know, a lot of the original members just aren't alive anymore. It doesn't negate their being worth seeing. And uh, to this day, I'd go see any of those acts particularly the stylistics who headline in New York all the time. And uh, yeah, it's some original members and some replacements and the music's still beautiful. So I'm not, I'm not a purist in that sense. Uh, You know, you're not going to see the original platters from 1955. Do the math. Oh, right. Exactly. Michael Winslow, I would go to see him. I was happy to see he was brought on for whatever reason uh, last year on uh, America's Got Talent. And he can still do all of those effects. In this case, had some tragedy in his life. He seems like a really good guy. But you remember him from uh, what, what did he do? He was in all the Police Academy movies. Or yeah, quite- he was in all the Police Academy movies. And he's done his own stand up. And uh, the guy's uh, the guy's an interesting talent, a, a unique talent. And. It would be fun just to watch him, you know, between sets. And, uh, yeah, I would I would go to that in a minute if it wasn't 3,000 miles away. And still a good uh, 500 miles away. That's about as, as strong a lineup as I've heard in many years, you know, since when they have these mega 
one or two day all-star concerts with uh, Van Halen and a zillion other acts, CZ Top and, and stuff we like that. We get the 70s Soul Jam um, and the Stylistics always headline and there's four or five other acts with them. And they play, um, you know, medium seat venues like the Beacon Theater, um, you know, 2,300 seats. And uh, they'll, do, they'll do an afternoon show and an evening show. So, you know, they still draw these acts to some degree. And, First, the, uh, the, the real big news around here is that Elton John is having his final concert uh, in October. So He's playing outdoor stadiums, and I yes. was pl pleasantly surprised that you could get in for as little as $55, which, you know, is, is pretty reasonable considering. Yeah, considering would, what some of these guys are getting. most famous concert, at least in the States, like whatever year it was, I think it was 75, uh, Dodger Stadium, where he put on the sequin Dodger baseball outfit, did the whole uh, Yellow Brick Road, the two double album, did the whole thing from start to finish. And, you know, he had uh, the Eagles and Emmylou Harris open for him and that was when, you know, because of all the drugs or whatever, allegedly he's done to his voice, he, you know, croaks it out now. It's not like he can't, you know, you don't expect somebody from the 70s now to be able to hit the high notes, but he doesn't sound at all, you know. So, so I'm torn between wanting to go see him, you know, to finish things up at where, I mean, that was where he really hit it after the troubadour he was discovered at the small club uh, like sunset boulevard in west hollywood and then when he really got going worldwide he had this was like one of the early big outdoor stadium things obviously the beatles did it first but man he was in full voice then so it would be hard for me to go and, and see him and listen to him now I, i've seen watched a million times the concert he did at Madison Square Garden from about 10 years ago. And that's when the voice started going. Little Anthony from the 1950s can still hit the high notes from the 1950s. Yeah, so well, it he, depends he, on the artist, really. Uh, well, he took care of himself, whereas Elton John, you know, was very open about having hit rock bottom. And then uh, when he uh, met and helped that poor kid, Ryan, something that had AIDS, that's when he, uh, and died of AIDS, that's when he decided to go you know, sober and rehab and do all that stuff from drugs and alcohol. But it's a shame that it, it ruined his voice. You know, there, yeah, there are a lot, but seeing an oldies act, I know we're a little off wrestling topic, but uh, when saw a bunch of, you know, the, uh, the turtles flowing Eddie, they get all kinds of great old acts together and three dog night, but they had uh, Jerry Lewis's son, Gary and, he is if anybody's worse at croaking out stuff it's poor gary lewis unless you know he's covered by uh backtrack and, and stuff like that he just can't sing and i heard even uh well there's some other acts but well you know. but it, it doesn't it's not totally unrelated to wrestling because you know we just got done with wrestlemania and that featured a number of um old acts as well that you know are Still well, trying to. And what did you think of Steve Austin? I just see, have seen the clips so far. I haven't sadly watched that. The first. I um I was actually pleasantly surprised. Um, sure he lost the step or two, but the whole thing worked. The match was was an excellent brawl. It went 13 minutes. It wasn't just an angle. It was a legitimate match. It actually went longer than Roman Reigns's match in the main event. 
you know. Uh, That's pretty incredible, right? Yeah. There. So um, my expectations were basically he would come out, and, you know, do an angle, and it would be over, and it would be wildly beyond what anybody could have hoped for. And it was actually a good brawl. Um, I had no problem with that at all. I, I, my, I, I did not appreciate the Johnny Knoxville, Sammy Zayn match. And ironically, I liked Jackass forever. I enjoyed it. I just don't think the two worlds mesh. No. You know, wrestling is not a live action cartoon. And, um, you know, humor is subjective. And I've seen people say, Chris Rock isn't funny. And I'm like, you're insane. He's top 10 all-time comedian, maybe top five. So, you know, what people find funny is always going to vary. But I want to see Sami Zayn have a great match like he did in ROH. Once it crosses that line to he's just a comedy figure and he rarely, if ever, has quality, you know, excellent matches anymore. I think they've taken it too far. So you can do both. You can do both. You don't have to go total buffoon. I'm sorry. My my impression was that you felt the second night was not as good as the first night. Wasn't it? Wasn't close. It, it, it was the second night was typical pablum, and the first night was really excellent. It was it was two different. Um, it was night and day, night and day. Would you say like, two women? Wasn't it nuts? Uh, I guess, you know, how are you going to follow Austin? But really, the main event was supposed to have been Charlotte, you know, one of the two women's matches, say Charlotte and Ronda. And they did not, you know, they have yet again the two nights of main, even though they kept saying in, in all the press that uh, Flair's daughter, Ashley, a.k.a. Charlotte, said was that she was the main event. And then it turned out, unless you're going to call them all main events, but um, that was kind of sad. I, I don't. I think a lot of people have been saying that uh, Rhonda just since motherhood happened, she just does not have any enthusiasm for this, and maybe she's having to fulfill the contract, but she doesn't appear. So, what did you think of that match? We, I don't think we got into that last week. Um, it followed. It followed um, Rollins and Cody. It followed Becky and uh, Bianca, and it w- just wasn't as good. And it had a screw job finish. So, you know, it just wasn't as good a match, simple as that. And it didn't feel like a main event. And, um, you know, basically it was an okay match. It wasn't anything special that I'll remember or savor years from now. And I, you see, th- this is the thing that bothered me about the whole weekend. There was nothing on either WrestleMania show that touched that touched the Briscoes and FTR and Ring of Honor, which was performed in front of two thousand people, two thousand people, not seventy-seven or seventy-eight thousand a night. So the WWE fanboys, of course, will go, "Well, it's all about the money. It's all about the gate," and I'm like. No, it's about the art. And, uh, you know, to me, it's always about creating art. And, uh, you know, you can make a great movie or you can make um, the Marine 17 for WWE pictures. It's, yeah. 
it's all a choice. And uh, I, I watched uh, I watched the movie last night called Sophie Jones for Oscilloscope Films, and it was shot on pennies. And it was just a beautiful, you know, great film shot on nothing. And you know, you could spend a hundred million dollars on Pluto Nash or some Will or some Will Smith action movie, and it's utter crap. So. You know, it's not always about money. I'm sorry. And it's very disillusioning as someone who's older. I just celebrated my 107th birthday. And to hear young people, you know, oh, it's all about it's all about the money. It's all about, the, you know, the stock prices. I'm like, oh, man, it's like, please don't breed and teach your kids this stuff. It's horrible. <laughs> horrible. This, so, so interjecting just for a second, we'll go back to WWE uh, this coming week. In AEW, I think it's on dark. It really should be on TV. They're having Lufisto, female legend from Canada, start. She's going to be with Emmy Sakura and uh, the Bunny, you know, who everybody remembers from Impact, uh, against uh, Ruby Soho. And it looks like uh, a whole grouping, you know. So it's a, it's a huge match plus dream match. Minoru Suzuki, who now has a Ring of Honor championship, against Samoa Joe on Dynamite for the Ring, well, for Suzuki's Ring of Honor TV title. I'm Samoa glad you mentioned this. I'm glad you mentioned this. So this is exactly what I'm saying. I want to see Suzuki and Samoa Joe. I don't care one iota to see Cody and The Miz. I, I, I have no need to see that. So you could say... A zillion more people are going to watch Cody and The Miz. You could say the gate is 10 times more for Cody and The Miz. But I want to see Art. I want to see Suzuki and Samoa Joe. Simple as that. I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm not doing the AEW versus WWE war thing because I, I just said before. They're apples and oranges. They're yeah. two different entities. Completely. And the first night of WrestleMania was actually quite good. Very good. Even excellent. There were five three and a half to four star matches. So it's not me being anti-WWE. It's about me always wanting to see a great match. So, so uh, today some fans... But the WWE makes it hard on itself when it does two consecutive nights of four-hour shows plus well, the, two-hour The reason for that, Russ, is because uh, a couple of years ago, before COVID hit, they had like a seven to seven-and-a-half-hour, eight-hour mania, and people were just burned out. People were leaving early, so they decided to split it into two, and, you know, with each show being at least four hours. So, I, But how, I, how hard is it? How hard is it with one of the greatest talent bases in history to put on two good nights of wrestling. Crockett, it is Crockett hard. promotion, Crockett promotion put on 30 good nights of wrestling every month, you know, back in the eighties. I mean, I mean, come they, on. They didn't, they didn't do two four hour shows back to back. They didn't, they, they would put on, you know, well, they, they, what it's called the loop where the same guys work with each other in different towns. This was before the sheets really, or the internet, started ruining things they put on three three and a half hour shows they were yeah. legitimate shows but, but they, they weren't they exactly. weren't all chained together in one pay-per-view or you know two pay-per-views Not chained together but they might work 27 consecutive or 27 days out of 30 
when but the fans were... hadn't seen every one of those matches, no. as you pointed out. Those were house shows. Another thing, of course, briefly, is just that style. Because when they send them all to NXT and they train them WWE style, they neuter somebody who's a total artist, as Evan said, like Kushida, New Japan total legend. He's just languishing in their NXT. Or Nakamura, where when you've seen one of his wrestling WWE style matches, you've seen them all. How can I... I I fast forward through Nakamura's matches because he's not the new Japan Nakamura. And that's painful to watch him. Criminal. So nobody, nobody so far has come from New Japan to the WWE and upped their game. Everyone that comes to the WWE from New Japan is lowered, you know, is has been made to be a clown and and made to look clown, but they neuter them to where yes. they ruined Awesome Kong from uh, Impact TNA ruined Mystico, the original first Mystico, ruined him. How many guys they brought up last week? All right, if we're going to shit on them, let's go full tilt. Uh, They're they're bringing up the uh, the I don't know what you want to call them, but they're obviously very overtly German from NXT. Walter, who was a terrific wrestler, they made him drop like at least fifty pounds, so now he looks kind of fragile whereas before he was a frankenstein monster legit he had to take on this german gestapo gunther name they bring up one of his other guys from imperium and now he's got some total nazi sounding name um it's it's a mess and and you watch they he won't be wrestling i mean they ruined gallows and anderson and and they ruined him when they brought him aboard they lost his whole entrance i mean they just ruined the guy's act they ruined keith lee so you know it's that style you're sort of stuck with i mean evan saw about a zillion you know he wasn't seth rollins then he was uh, what was his name black something black Tyler Black, I mean, I'm sure he was doing far more stuff. I mean, Seth, they, Rollins, Seth Rollins is a consistently good, very good, and excellent performer. The problem at this point with him is it's very clear that that Roman Reigns is Vince's guy. Roman Reigns has the Cena-like push. Roman Reigns is not going to lose to Seth Rollins. And that's it. I mean, so there's no suspense. They don't need to wrestle each other anymore. So, you know, it's like he kind of is diminished because he's not that elite level guy like Roman Reigns. And uh, they need some, they need to elevate guys. Look at A and E where everybody is important. You know, you know, I mean, there's tears there, but. Everybody seems to have importance. Everybody is over, and that's not the case. You know, when you take a guy who originally came from NXT, this guy, Crowbar, he was having fantastic four-and-a-half-star matches with Keith Lee and uh, in NXT, and then they bring him up, and they make him wear the mask and be part of the crappy stuff, and, and they just ruin the guy to where he has no credibility. And AEW, it's different. I, I mean, those shows are just night and day. And, and Russ, I hope you watch A&E because they're exciting shows top to bottom. AEW. AEW. Arts and Entertainment is... A-E-W. I do watch A&E every once in a while. Yeah. But. AEW, top to bottom, are pretty amazing. Well, on the A&E front, I'm thinking about them because I'm getting involved. I'm, I was hit up for uh, several documentaries coming up. You know, they did 
uh, I don't know how many WWE uh, guys, seven or eight, including the Bret Hart one, et cetera. I was supplied photos for the Booker and Piper ones, but they've got like 32 for your next season. So a small amount, great. And, and they were, for the most part, except the Ultimate Warrior, they were, you know, they were worth watching. And now with way too many, I don't know, that's going to burn out stuff. And they're going to have that other secondary show, Lost or Hidden Treasures, Lost Treasures, a ton of episodes, way more than the first season. You know, I'm looking forward to the A&E biography on Shamel, the Hall of Famer. I think that should be a, a well-spent two hours. Where is my buddy Satello A&E documentary? That's, right. that's what the, I want. Uh, the Hall of Fame should have just been on one guy. It should have just been on Undertaker. And, and you know, I, hey. It's, it's, it should have been on Ivan Koloff. And well, Undertaker away. But there's some weird heat there to where Bruno was was pissed at Vince for many, many years and kept pushing. And Ivan, yeah, definitely should have been in there. But the Steiners, long overdue. But, I mean. What do you think about the push of his son right now? Now that they're they're pushing his son. Well, I watch NXT every week without fail. And, And the kid is good, but I'm not into that kind of style of, you know, sort of the jacked guy. I'm more into uh and he channels both his uncle and his dad, but you know, he's not for me. Again, I would rather watch Minoru Suzuki against anybody. And a dream match against Brian Danielson was, Evan knows I've raved on a weekly basis nearly about that. Now I can't wait to see. Why do you think they've gone with the name Braun Breaker with him when, you know. His first name is Bronson uh, Rick Steiner. His full name is Bronson Rick so Steiner. So why don't they work? Why don't they make him Braun Steiner? Braun Steiner. I know it's stupid. Well, come on with the names. Because, because it, Breaker is more juvenile and will appeal to the eight-year-olds that they cater to or the, or the adults that are mentally eight years old that they cater to. That's the thing. I've been writing a number of pieces for months to where all of the female announcers, except for Kayla, have first letter of first name and last name exactly the same. And that's like a Vince Jr. alleged principle. Keep it simple. So Braun Breaker, BB. And they they changed. They had three people debut in SmackDown, all with different names. The guy that was part of Imperium, his name changed. But Raquel Gonzalez, who's a killer. She's like an Andre the Giant female. No, she has to be Raquel Rodriguez. And they've had her for two years in NXT as Raquel Gonzalez. That base already knows her set. They must be throwing up their hands with, like, what is this stupid shit? Um, The name changes are unnecessary. And I don't think there are more uh, people will recall them more if first and last name have the same starting letter. It's stupid. I think they they should dumb it down even more and make it like boom, boom, breaker or... You know, break things, Bob, or, you know, Him. I really dumb it down, you know. Him. Have you seen of a what pleasure? Him. They name him Him. They already had a who. So, right. you know, they could just have him and that guy. You had woman, yeah. which is crazy. But uh, Wendy Chu, they call her Sleepy Wendy Chu. She, I, I've talked about her before. She is a guilty pleasure on NXT. She comes out wearing fluffy slippers, pajamas, a bathrobe she takes off. She does this gimmick where she'll put her head 
if you can see me uh, down our hands and then, you know, crashes down on somebody, why they do not have, and I got into this discussion with Bully Ray on Busted Open, why they do not have her finishing move, the sleeper, when she, you know, knows us off in the ring laying down and then she comes to life instantly. So her whole gimmick is being, you know, a, a sleeper, sleepy time Wendy, and they have not given her that finisher. How could you miss the boat on that? Although the problem is, is the sleeper, like so many great moves, like Harley Race's suplex, they're transition moves. They're not finishers. Yes. Yeah, most most WWE content will put you to sleep. It's really appropriate. I think they should push that harder. <laughs> yeah. you make, her, make her the head of promotions. <laughs> when you right. here wearing fluffy bunny slippers and she's wrestling in those things instead of boots. I'm going to wear fluffy uh, bunny slippers and watch WWE TV. It'll get me to sleep easier. I tell you, I, I have a massage chair, you know, for my back. I have a pretty bad back. When I get in there and turn on their show, I do. I fall asleep, and I got to rewind the thing. To see. I got to keep rewinding it because I'm falling asleep. And that's without the bunny slippers. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone watched Raw after after wrestling. I watched the, the last episode. I watched was in 2017. Well, I always kind of am interested in tuning into Raw after a major WWE pay-per-view to try to see how they're going to like recover from the from the aftermath of a big event. And I got to tell you, for the okay, they had a tag team match that ended at about ten forty-five here on the West Coast. So you got to get the, one of the satellites. You can watch it three hours early. No, but, thank you. Hey, I, I, still, I know that I, 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 I'm not going to watch till uh, Jesus, 11 o'clock at night. That's crazy. Nah, I, you know what? That's always where, where Raw has been in my life. It's always been from that. Never mind. It made it easy for me because I had satellite during the Monday Night War so I could have uh, Nitro on. And then, you know, then flip to Raw and watch, you know, so that's when I was but, doing that. But stuff. my point was this, is that after you kind of do the math, you go, okay, there's going to be an interview with Roman Reigns. And you go, okay, the tag team match, you know, featuring uh, Street Profits against um, uh, the Alpha uh, Alpha Club. Um, they, that finished about 1045. And you're like, well, there's not going to be any action with Roman Reigns, because you you, you you do the math, you go, there's going to be about eight no, All minutes. that was was a Roman Reigns commercial to yes. watch Friday for SmackDown to see yes. what I'm really going to say about this. Yes, and so I was, I was just like, what an amazing waste of a quarter of an hour where you used Everybody to Everybody said that was one of the weirdest post-WrestleMania Raws, because usually there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's people particularly the Brits, the people from Europe, they go crazy, they start their own chants, they make it entertaining, they're more entertaining than the wrestling product. And they sort of did that, and, and they were booing people they shouldn't have been booing. It was awesome, you know, because they're in control. Vince can't control that, or his people, other than to tell them to, to sit down. That's the problem, and, and Bully Ray and Mark Henry and Tommy Dreamer and a lot of others have been vocal about that is at WWE house shows and TV, they keep telling people, sit down, sit in your seat. Whereas at AEW, people can have fun. That's what you, you go into a concert, like, and and you can't stand up and uh, and have fun and, you know, dance or do whatever. They got too used to those television sets. 
in the you know having the television sets and an audience you know instead of instead of actual people you know the but here's something and I don't know if it was said on TV, but I've said it for years. Usually the Monday after Raw, or excuse me, the Raw after uh, WrestleMania is a reset. It's like season premiere. So the season, right. WWE is 52 right. weeks. You've blown off all those feuds. It's time so, to start the new ones. So we had the turns. We had the Happy Corbin sort of turn. On the, Nobody and, liked that. Okay. There's not one. I haven't met one person yet who likes Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin makes me sad. I know that's what most people. But the guy feel. he's uh, he turned on his Madcap Moss. I forgot that guy. What's his name? Derek Moss or something. He's a an athlete from another sport. So that's what they're they're not going for indie guys and bringing them into developmental. Now they're going for amateur Bad basketball bunny. players and and this and that. So I, that guy's a quality athlete. Johnny Knoxville, Bad Bunny. Oh, oh that's not that's not a quality athlete, but. I know, but that's what they're going for now. Those guys are, are you know, draw and and in some ways, some of them looked as good in the ring as yeah, the, a lot the of guys. Them, are going. If you watch NXT, and a lot of people have criticism about that, that they're not even using the the normal camera techniques to hide the fact that they're calling spots and talking very loudly to each other. You got to watch that to believe it. And some of the they have a, a African American female who is a big time amateur basketball player. She is not. She's the shits, absolute shits in the ring. Uh, she had a match against this one, Nikita Lyons, who was in uh, McLean, Dave McLean's Wow that was on uh, Access Channel about three years ago. And she, you know, you wouldn't really spend much time watching her, but she's vastly improved. She's but put she on- could hit a three pointer though. <laughs> but well, she had a match with this uh, African-American uh, basketball player. They they were giving her her gimmick was she was like a, a Wendy Williams having a, a stupid talk show in front of just other NXT. But they were acting like it was a real audience. But it's just some of the NXT trainees. So maybe 12 people as the audience. And then they finally put her in the ring and she was the absolute drizzling shits. She just was terrible. And uh, so she's being reworked and, and the talk show's not on. And, you know, it's the usual with them. But some of these women, they have the uh, uh, that faction where they hold all the titles. They've never yet had the two uh, heels that they just threw out there. You know, when they got rid of the uh, black and gold NXT, which was very good with the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano and all of those greats, you know, it was really super incredible to watch. And that was when they were having the mon- the Wednesday night wars. They lost. They decided to just have it go back to farm system now with all and got rid of all of Hunter's people, which was a real shame. Uh, but they threw all those people out at once and nobody's fully digested them. So the women tag champs with Mandy Rose is uh, the head. That's the faction, the three of them together. They never have let them talk on TV. You don't know their backstory. You know nothing. They just came out of the blue and within a couple of weeks, they were women's tag champions for NXT. And it, it, it sucks. And they're the ones, you know, doing a lot of talking in the ring. You know, they've improved quickly, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, people that don't belong, as uh, you guys have both called them, not ready for primetime players, meaning some of these workers on NXT. It's a mess compared to the phenomenal, uh, I mean, Adam Cole, all of these guys, uh, uh, all, all gone. And all gone. And, and Ciampa is either going to be hopefully brought up to the main roster or he's going to be out of there. Another loss, another gain to AEW. I mean, when you see 
the people that they're bringing in and, and Tony Storm from NXT called up to the roster and then she was in an embarrassing thing, you know, having to put over Charlotte Flair, not get in any offense, take a pie to the face, a pie to the face for a quality athlete who they had win uh, uh, the inaugural May Young uh, Cup thing. And then they have her taking a pie in the face, bringing her up to the roster. That's why. And, and she quit. She asked for her release. You know, like Cesaro did. A guy, how many times did you bring him on Legends? Cesaro is Claudio. Many times. This guy is an ultimate professional. And uh, I would love to see him go to AEW and join that William Regal. He, he just re-signed, didn't he? No, he quit. He asked for his release. Cesaro's gone. So, when, when was this? I didn't hear this. Recently, in the last... Yeah, like, yeah it did just happen. Oh, it just happened. Okay. Yeah, so that's a real loss. That's good news. That's good news. Hey, you, you go to right to AEW where he'll be the Claudio of old. Wow. I can't wait. And and if he and uh, Serena Deeb are my, you know, if they add them to the Brian Danielson Moxley group with uh, William Steve Regal sort of running it, uh, that's going to be, that would be incredible. I think Cesaro should have stayed and got pies thrown in his face. I think uh, he made the wrong. They, move. they were not too far away from either that or, or you know, bringing back Doink and making uh, Cesaro the new Doink. Cesaro you know? lost the handicap match. Uh, his partner got hurt in one match. It was, I mean, the guy lost the handicap match. It was, it was insane. I mean. Well, you know what? It, it's it's not the the wrestlers' fault. Certainly not the wrestlers' fault. It's it's I think the bookers. Wherever they they're getting these bookers, and maybe Michael Hayes and Bruce Pritchard are getting uh, long in the tooth. I hate to say it, both good guys and stuff. But you know, maybe they've been in that environment way too long. And although uh, Pritchard, you know, was quite a few years in Impact and uh, a TNA and all of that stuff, but they need to get some some more wrestling people. The Dean Malenko's, all of these folks who were agents that left uh, and went to AEW, you know, they're missing Arn Anderson, a guy with some input that would say, this is shit. He would probably say that at a booking meeting. Yeah, it's coming back to me because it's such a nightmare, like I blotted out sometimes. But but um, Sheamus's partner got hurt, so Sheamus was, was wrestling Ricochet and Cesaro, and Sheamus beat both of them. And I'm just, I'm just like, oh, my God, these guys have to leave. They have to know exactly where they stand, you know, because it's embarrassing at this point. And uh, speaking of which, at WrestleMania, they had no spots for Finn Balor. No spots. Like, he yeah, wasn't good enough to defend the Intercontinental Championship. I see in the U.S. title. Yeah. Take time. And a guy like Finn Balor, you could have had a dream match with quite a few people with him. You could have brought, I mean, as good as the Seth Rollins thing, I would love to see Cody maybe against the Finn Balor, something like that, you know, where, but let him go. Don't don't force that WWE style on them. And before I forget, I we didn't get to this Russell myself last week. I wanted to ask, he said, uh, Russell's WrestleMania 2 in LA, the only WrestleMania you've been to? Yes. Tell us a little about that. Yes. Although for WrestleMania one, that was uh, that was the only thing that I've ever seen in my life on a closed circuit uh, uh, broadcast. You were at the Bill Graham Civic, weren't you? Yep, I was at the That's Bill Graham, Graham Civic in front row, and the local papers interviewed us. The San Francisco Chronicle and the Oakland Tribune. And we had some quotes on that very first WrestleMania. That was fun. 
It was a fun scene. Ev, did you go to that or did you go to Closed Circuit or what did you do for wrestling? Um, I saw it, I believe, at a friend's house. I don't think I uh, saw it on Closed Circuit. But it wasn't available pay-per-view. Even better. I'm not, I, I don't remember it was so long ago. I mean, I remember I remember seeing it because I know Hogan and Andre were, were such a big deal. Or was that three? That, that was three. three. The first one was with Piper and Mr. Right. T and the, yes. the tag, tag match. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember. I didn't see it live. I didn't go to the Axmo event. Okay. Well, Russ, how did you end up going? You, your dad took you to wrestling? No, no. My dad hated wrestling, and he, we never... I never saw a match with my dad. Um, he he actually he was a fan of wrestling from the '40s, and his favorite wrestler was Antonino Rocco. Um, but but he was always of the mentality that like, well, you got to grow. When you grow up, you grow out of all this stuff. So I was to no longer associate with comic books and and wrestling and science fiction. I was supposed to graduate from all that stuff. And start loving opera and I Claudius and like all this erudite stuff. I was like, what's, what's I Claudius? You talking theater? Y- yeah, masterpiece theater. Oh. You know, like uh, in the, I was supposed to, you know, watch sixty oh. minutes masterpiece theater, oh. uh, become you know all serious and all adult like. And and why can't you have all of that, Evan and why I? Why can't you do both? Our, yeah, we have our arts. Because uh, my dad turned me off from all that stuff because he said I had to choose between one or the other. And I said, I'm staying with wrestling. I'm staying with the yeah, stuff. That I don't have I'm to choose watching. between peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, that my dad made it a choice. And wow. and and so, no, the, the only person in my family that has ever really been there step for step for me in a wrestling sense is my brother. And so um, my brother went to UCLA. Now, uh, 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 he was going to UCLA, and I went to UC San Diego. And um, when he heard that tickets were available for WrestleMania two, he went over, drove over to the LA uh, Coliseum, the, the sports arena, and just picked up two tickets. I believe they were less than 25 bucks. I think they were like $12. For each twelve dollars and fifty cents for each ticket. Now we were at the very, 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 very top of the LA Sports Arena. We were like three rows from the actual like top part of the. And man, that was when you could still smoke inside the arena. So there was like a cloud of all sorts of various burned substances at the very top of that arena. It was. It was. Wait, but, so what were the, the matches? Because we only saw the cage match, the big main event, Bundy and Hogan. And what was the other big match there? Was it was the, that where the, the battle was? royale with the, oh, the, the, the sports royale. players and, and Andre the Giant. But there were yeah. more matches or were you getting piped in on, a, on the screen? The other they did have they did have the, the, the other matches from the other parts of the country on the screen at the time. And then. There really only were like about maybe four live matches in LA, or maybe like the other two that you saw. So there was. Oh man, Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was. It's a tough one to remember because now that so many, of course, the 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 big blue cage match with uh, Hogan and Bundy. And I told you that was the Blassie cage. So 
Mike LaBelle sold the office to Vince Jr. in December of 82, well before Vince went national. A lot of people don't know that, but part of the office sale was the Blassie Blue Cage. We call it the Freddie Blassie cage because he had all his matches against the Sheik when he turned babyface in 1970 and then against, of course, Tolis in that Blassie cage and quite a few other matches uh, when he'd return. Uh, but that was the Blassie cage, the blue one. And Yeah, then- I was never a big fan of the blue cage. And I never really liked the idea of the WWE matches, the WWF matches, where you had to climb out of the cage. To win. That was the deal. Their laziness was, and Evans saw that with the first cage match at Madison Square Garden, you could either climb up and over, which is more difficult for the boys, or exit the door, which is dumb. We never had that. No other territory other than uh, Tri-WF or WWF, WWE have that, where you can just go out the, the cage door, which you know now they've done sort of that Von Eric thing to make it more interesting in terms of finish. But if, to see two guys in their mid-50s, Tolles and Blassie, have to climb up to the top, it was pretty dangerous for those old guys. Or Sheik. Ev, your thoughts on that? Do you, do you like, because you guys started that trend, whatever year, 1978, when they finally allowed a cage match at Madison Square Garden, exiting through the door? or you? Prefer- um, I, I was used to it because that's what we had all the time. And what they would do is like the two guys would be, both half out the door and struggling to get out the door. And one guy would have the other guy's ankle. And so they, they try to make it dramatic at least. And uh, every so often one guy would just knock the other guy out the door accidentally. And the other guy would win. So, I mean, they try to make it work, but uh, Did yeah, Bruce it was never climb up to the top of the cage. I don't think he would. Addison ever- and Backlund climbed to the top of the cage. Pat Patterson. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was and that was one of the best cage matches we ever got there. Some of the cage matches were pretty forgettable. We had um, Tony Atlas and Jesse Ventura. It was really nothing special. And, uh, you know, Backlund and Hanson was Stan Hanson was a big disappointment. Uh, some of the cage matches just but you were there for Morocco versus uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, Morocco and Snooker was like the greatest thing ever, the greatest moment anyway. When when uh, Snooker leaped off the cage, um, that was amazing. Man, the flash cubes went off for the young people who don't know what a flash cube is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was a uh, it was an incredible moment, and the roar afterwards. It was it was like a five minute roar after the fact. R O A R, not R A W. Raw. It was it was unbelievable to be there, and um, yeah, we um, you know we. I saw Brody and uh, Bruno in a cage, and believe it or not, Brody and Hanson were like kids at the time in '76, and it didn't have the same gravitas. It wasn't oh, as big a deal. To turn into that. Yeah, it's so funny because uh, he came straight to. Tri-WF for Vince Sr. from Bruiser's territory in St. Louis where, because uh, Bruiser, Dick the Bruiser, was such a, uh, he was a close, you know, worker and friend to Sam Munchnik that Brody had to be King Kong Brody, couldn't be Bruiser Brody there. So I think maybe, you know, when he came back, so I'm guessing Vince Sr. might have named him that, you know, again with the first letter, uh, first name and last name, that's the same. 
like Hulk Hogan, that name Vince Sr. created. I bet he created the name uh, Bruiser Brody because when Brody then went back, uh, yeah, he uh, he wasn't able to use that name. He was back to being stuck with King Kong Brody in St. Louis and Bruiser's WWA territory, a few other places. So it's, it's weird having several, yeah, I mean, because that's a major name, Bruiser Brody. But yeah, that and, and I don't think they were that impressive. Uh, we did you did you see when you saw them at that point, and that's when kind of Putsky uh, was there, and they were facing him a lot, uh, and even Jose Gonzalez was there. That that weird time. I, I saw Brody wrestle Gonzalez at the Nashville Coliseum. You, uh, you never you never would have dreamt what would have happened years later, you know. But did you think uh, when you saw young Brody and Hanson that these guys are going to become total legends? Were you thinking that at all? No. Or? No, in fact, it was the opposite. They came in right after Billy Graham, Ivan Koloff, and Ernie Ladd, who were, you know, one of some of the biggest stars of all time. And and Ivan and Billy Graham both beat Bruno for the belts and for the belt at different times. So it was almost a step down when a young Hanson and a young Brody came in, because you know this was pre-internet. Um, the sheets weren't even big by in in the mid seventies, oh, so yeah. it was it was like it was like a step down. Like I had seen I had seen them on TV in various capacities, Brody on Florida TV, but uh, he was Frank Goodish at the time, so uh, we didn't even know him as Brody from the uh, Florida TV that we saw in New York, and it was like, you know, this isn't Ernie Ladd or Billy Graham or Ivan Koloff. So it's, which is ironic because, you know, Brody and Hanson became two of the greatest legends of all time. Um, but at that the time... period when you had, and I didn't appreciate it either. I thought this is a, just like you, this was a step down from those huge names and, yeah. and Don Leo, Jonathan, and all these amazing guys that were there. But you also had Skandor Akbar. Remember when he came in and Gilles, Gilles Poisson from Montreal. Who we see it? Who we see it? Yeah. And then these guys are elevated to main events, kind of. They didn't last very long at all. What did you think when those two guys came in? You um, heard about them in the magazine. We, we had guys. We had guys like you just mentioned, Skandar Akbar, Louis Sia, um, they strong Kobayashi. Even I mean, they weren't Billy Graham, Ivan Koloff, or Ernie Ladd again. So they weren't that. They were more mid card guys and. Um, they didn't get that mega push. Some of them got main events in other arenas, not at Madison Square Garden, but um, they weren't the highest level guys. And Putski beat Skandar Akbar in like two minutes or three minutes, and yes. you could see you could see he wasn't getting that big push. And um, you speaking know, that, speaking about the legends and the pushing, um, how about this like retroactive push? of The Undertaker, and now, you know, people saying now that he's a top 10 wrestler of all time, and especially, you know, when when wrestlers get around their retirement, people tend to, you know, extra elevate, like, what they've done, so they can say, you know, oh, well, Triple H, top 10 wrestler of all time. Uh, 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 the Undertaker, top ten wrestler of all time. Ne- neither, neither of those guys would break my top twenty-five, and probably wouldn't break my top fifty. But then again, I'm watching it fifty years, and some of the fans saying this 
have been watching it 10 or 15 or 20 years. So they don't have the reference point. But um, no, I, saw, I saw Undertaker wrestle Ric Flair live on a house show. It was nothing special. It wasn't Flair and Steamboat. It wasn't Flair and Terry Funk. It, it, was, it was an okay match. Uh, you know, I, I mean. Undertaker Bret Hart, when I saw that live, I that was one of the best matches I saw live. Okay. I, it but was, that doesn't make him the greatest of all time. No, he de doesn't. Did not go to when Vern, see, when Roy Shire retired January of 82, he already knew that Vern was coming in to the Oakland arena. That's where he was going to station himself. And then Vince Jr., that was his first sort of territory war thing, coming to the Cow Palace. So the two places that Shire, you know, part of his arsenal, he's retiring and that's why he went and exposed the business to the newspapers, the LA Times and the San Francisco Chronicle to, you know, he co-hosted my TV show a zillion times. And he said, I did it to F it up as I knew Vern and Vince were coming in. So did you not go to see Vern Gagne cards? They were a lot better. Uh, a lot of the matches. Pro were Wrestling USA, we got at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. And that uh, rust because he's saying how great this taker match is. And I'd say, well, I would. I would put that against what I saw Vern coming into Northern California with, where he had Pat, the only place Pat in any AWA arena would, would be a face, against Hogan, and Pat was able to carry Hogan to three straight matches that were watchable, and there were a lot of other great stuff, and Brody and Hanson came in and did some tag stuff for on Vern Gagne, California, Northern California. I went, I went to the AWA stuff mostly in the early to mid-80s. So um, I didn't get to see a lot of the... Didn't you get to see Brody and Hanson on those shows? And um, I did see Brody on one show and Hanson on one show. Some of those shows I thought were far better than the WWF house shows. I saw I saw a Pro Wrestling USA show where Brody was yeah. in the second match against Steve O. And I'm like, what is this about? At the peak of Brody's fame, you know, it's like Vern has him buried at the bottom of the card. Made no sense. No sense. What was yeah. what was the best uh, Pro Wrestling USA? Didn't they have a, a fairly decent blend of AWA and NWA early on a Pro Wrestling USA? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed seeing Nick Bockwinkle and Larry Zabisco for the AWA belt. They had that twice. Nick Bockwinkle wasn't a kid at the time, and he was still great, just great. Um, it was a mixed bag. They would throw together six-man tags, like just throw it together, three guys for no reason on each side. And um, there were some no-shows, and there was some disappointments and some substitutions. It was kind of a mishmash, honestly, but... Uh, it was great to see a lot of guys we didn't usually see. And, um, you know, what they had Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair on top on one show, and that was a disappointment, believe it or not. And uh, it was supposed to be like a dream match at the time, but um, it just didn't click for whatever reason. So and Sarge the face? Um, in the face. Yeah, so, yeah, he had just turned face, yeah. In the, in the AWA, he was a face. He wrestled Kamala on some of their shows and Billy Robinson, and they were all okay, but they weren't Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheep. You get to no? see Billy Robinson up there on those uh, pro wrestling Yeah, years. Billy Robinson wrestled Slaughter, and um, Jerry the King Lawler was on a number of those shows. Yeah, Lawler came in more on the undercard, though, and um, yeah. Oh, 
They had they you know they they had uh, Bill Dundee and uh, Jerry the King often as a tag team. You know they right. remember AWA stuff. Yeah, but, but, but Pro Wrestling USA was not as good as uh, Prime Ring of Honor with Nigel McGuinness and all those guys. And Pro Wrestling USA was certainly not as good as the NWA. You know, in Philly and Baltimore, and you know, it just it was it was. It was a mixed bag, honestly. And so, Eddie Horn, uh, who uh, fronted the money for the uh, IWA in the mid-70s, that was his first of two attempts to take down Vince Sr. And that was nothing but packed, packed talent. I think I told you this a million times, that first of the three uh, Roosevelt Stadium shows in Jersey, because Einhorn could not get Madison Square Garden as he tried, he was blocked out by Sr., uh, in the back who just came to sort of check on what was going on. They weren't part of the show and the, not all of them were wrestlers. Sam Munchnik, the Sheik, Johnny Powers, who came with Antonio Inoki, just to check out what was going on. Right, right. And Ricky Starr and Thez came and they were just thrown onto the show and then Thez became an integral part of it. I'm talking the original ballet 60s Ricky Starr. Just packed Igor, you remember that, Ev. Bulldog Brower, Moskers was the champ. They never, they just put the title on him. They never even had it. I think turn. he still has it. He still has it, yeah. I saw, I saw the IWA in New York at the Beacon Theater, which is more famous as a concert hall, and they had Ernie Ladd and Victor Rivera on top. That was a hell of a match. Yeah, yeah. So we're kind of in that post-WrestleMania hangover. I wonder what's, what's big coming up? Uh, well, uh, if... It, it, it's who they're going to pair Cody Rhodes with now. And I think it's, he's going to have a, because they have to keep the title on uh, Roman until the rock. The, he, Cody's going to have some feud with Roman for probably at least two pay-per-views, maybe three. That's the, that's the big thing. I, I heard, I heard Reigns is going to wrestle Nakamura. I think he already but did. Does anyone think Nakamura has even the slightest chance in hell of winning the title? Not, not even Nakamura's kids, brother, sister, mom, or dad. <laughs> yes. yes. It's, it's sad. It's sad to put together a title match where you don't even think, like, for one second, someone has a chance of actually. You know how they have Happy Corbin? They should have neutered Nakamura. <laughs> That'd be a well, Cody's going to have a feud with somebody else. I forget if it's going to be Kevin Steen. And then uh, later this year, he'll, you know, eventually lose. And that'll just keep Roman's title reign intact until next WrestleMania. Here's the, th here's the thing with Roman. I, I, I sincerely like him. The Shield were awesome. I'm a fan. But they painted him into a corner because it's very clear He's, he's the new John Cena. He's Vince's boy. He's not going to lose. He beat Seth Rollins at the Garden in five minutes, the last card. Yeah. He, just, he just beat Brock Lesnar again. So those guys are done. You know, Finn Balor, that was a joke. And uh, Nakamura is certainly not going to beat him. So who, who's he got? He's got maybe Cody. It's very clear that Drew McIntyre, even though the guy's great and he's a huge guy, he was in the second match at WrestleMania. He's not 
pushed on that level. They dropped. Remember a couple of years ago, they had title versus well, they were just not a title versus title, but they they were both the the two respective the Universal and the WWE champion, and Roman beat him clean, and it's, it was a forgettable match. Yeah, WWE itself are pushing him now as the quote greatest of all time, and then and then every every chance they get. He's been champion 896 days or whatever. They're pushing him like unbelievably. So the point is, unless it's The Rock, unless it's some unbelievable hot act that they have, nobody has credibility against them. Nobody. Will Smith. Will Smith is going to have to come in and slap them. You know, <laughs> the Usos are going to have to jump them. They're going to have to do something dramatic because there's not a single contender out there that has any credibility so this and i know we're close to ending the show there is talk of having finally an intergender match which would have steps couldn't hit in the face charlotte against randy orton possibly at some point late late later this year why would we need to see a a randy orton charlotte match well because they're running out of ideas so yes Yes, you know, what are we gonna have another blindfold match, you know, for for a title? Maybe that would be a great idea. The worst the worst bring back the gobbledygooker is uh, having your hand tied behind your back match, which is really No, the blindfold match was worse. That (laughs) that was that was Wait, they had when both were blindfolded. That was right. Right. That was when uh, Jake the Snake and Rick the Model Martel had to, you know. No, they did that, done that more recently, like four years ago. They had one of those. Oh my god! Always, always the drizzling shits. Sorry to yes. curse. It's it's bad. Yeah, because nothing improves the quality of wrestling than having both wrestlers not be able to see each other. Well, they should they should blindfold the viewers and do it. Yes, thank you. Yes. and elevate the women. Have the you have all these incredible people bring. Uh, the uh, uh, Bailey will be back, and Oscar. Uh, get them involved. Get them in some main events because I'd they- like to see Bailey against uh, Os- Osmos. Is that the guy's name? Amos. Amos. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah Bailey and Amos. That would be a good. Match. Please, that guy sucks. Yeah. Put him back down. He should have gone straight to developmental for a but year and a half. Guy, he's the new Kali, basically. He's the new Dalip yeah. uh, Singh. He, he's basically a guy who's there. Hey, simply hey, why was Dalip better in RAPW? And when he got to be Kali in WWF, he sucked. WWE sucked big time. He could not work. He was better used by Roland, etc. in APW. And then once he goes to the biggest company. You want to know why? It's because a couple of years of consecutive knee injuries. And he really, he had never developed his legs. He was always giant up top because it, you know, he was taught yeah. to lift weights at an early age. And that's all he was programmed to do. But he never worked on his legs. And so he kind of had Tony Atlas syndrome. And he, his, his legs were too small for his upper torso. And so he really couldn't do the running and the, the you know, wrestling requires a strong leg base to be able to pull it off. A lot of people think that it's all about upper body strength. But if you don't have good legs in wrestling, 
your career isn't going to last for very long. Because I'd like got- to see Roman Reigns against Dewdrop. She's got powerful legs. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to do an intergender yeah, match, it's match for you. Yes. Well, we better we better wrap, or at least I've got to go. We better, uh, but I don't know. So yeah, I would rather see the spinners and uh, stylistics. That's right. So would I. What 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 do we have to look forward to? You know, without WrestleMania, and there's not going to be another pay per view. We've got GCW. We've got Ring of Honor. We'll see where they go. Even Impact has been pretty exciting with all that New Japan talent. Uh, it's, it's pretty damn good. There's a lot I of would us. like to see. I would like to see AEW and New Japan, uh, maybe Impact, or Ring of Honor, all together do a super show, like a stadium show, like WrestleMania, and and show that they're absolutely capable of filling a huge venue and uh, putting on a far better show than WWE, and it would just quiet some of the naysayers down uh, because, you know, it doesn't need to be a war. Like I said, night one of WrestleMania was excellent. You know, I I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. It doesn't have to be us against them, AEW against WWE. The more good wrestling, the more competition, the more places for these guys to work. You know, it's fine. You know, WWE can do what they want. They want to have giant mouse traps. Let, let them have giant mouse traps. But AEW could put on, you know, great, great wrestling with New Japan if they choose to, you know, and make a lot of money, you know. So um, that's what I'd like to see. And Chris Jericho said the same thing. He said that publicly. We're due for a super show. So let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. In the summer, when, when you know the... You know, you know, it's having it here in Northern California, though, that wherever, be. wherever, you know, where you know, always doing New York and L.A. like yeah, they have it here in the Bay they Area. Did, they do New York in bad weather for some reason. Actually, you know? A.W. debuts in L.A. for the very first time, June 1st. So That's I hope great. it's a big success because maybe they'll do more West Coast shows. It's like sold that. out in like a matter of minutes. That's at the L.A. Sports Arena where you saw WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it's so it's just a TV taping, though, right? It's just a Wednesday. No, it's a Wednesday live, and they're doing that Friday live in. Uh, 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 well, it's it's about two hours from LA, uh, Ontario, where the Motor Speedway is. So they're actually doing the Friday show, Rampage, live uh, that Friday. So there'll be the dark and elevation on the uh, the Wednesday show, I'm sure. Well, I hope it's a big show so they can have some more. Stuff on the West Coast, because I always feel we're we're uh, we're left out from from that sort of thing. Anyway, folks, that's it for for this week's show. Thanks a lot. It was great to have you all both back on. And I'm gonna put on my uh, bunny slippers and watch the last five years worth of Raw, so I get a good night's sleep. Uh, sleepy Wendy Chu, guilty pleasure. She's great. That's She's right. a lot of fun. And I got to catch up with the Young Rock now that it's back on and and. And uh, catch what, because now they're actually getting to the point where he's actually a wrestler. You know, the rock is like right, take all of that stuff with a grain of salt because none of those wrestlers work for Liam Ivea. So whatever. No, but I, I, there's it's still an entertainment to- show, but they uh, it has no basis on reality. I'm sure some of the things happen to the rock, but he's embellishing it by you know throwing in guys who weren't actually the only thing that is actual at least where the where he's not wrestling but the grandmother otta 
or Leah, excuse me, Leah, uh, is that uh, she then got sued, got all this trouble, and then had to flee Hawaii and move in with Rocky and and uh, Ada in uh, in Florida, Miami. Well, we'll see when we get when the show gets to that. But anyway, great to have you guys this week. We'll see you all next week. Howdy. Thank you very much, folks. Good night. Oh, <laughs>